Hallelujah. Praise God. This is Reverend Rosemary with you this evening as we continue to study the Word of God. And we thank Him for this opportunity that we have to join again together around the table of His Word. We are going to open our study with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we give you glory. Give you honor and praise for who you are, what you have done and continue to do in us and through us, O oh Lord. Father, we thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your grace. We thank you that you have brought us this far, O oh God, and even now you continue to work in us. Oh God, to change us, to mold us, oh God, into your very image. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this readiness of heart that you have fashioned in us, that we can move forward with you, oh God, and press forward, trusting that the word that you have for us, even today, oh God, will fall on good soil and yield much fruit, fruit that will change our lives, oh God, and abound in such a way that it will overflow into the lives of others. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful plan that you have for us, oh God, and we willingly submit to you, to your Lordship, to the Lordship of your word, to the Lordship of your spirit, and we ask you to have your way in our lives for the glory of your most holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, tonight, the subject of our study will be taking God at his word. Amen. Take God at his word. We're going to open our study by... Um, reading from Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Galatians 2 and verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Hallelujah. I'd like to focus on the words here where the Apostle Paul says, I live by the faith of the Son of God. You see, faith is our connector to God. And taking God at his word is actually the highest form of faith. God gave us his faith to connect us to him. And that faith is always in the present. You can't say yesterday I had faith or tomorrow I will have faith. Well, yes, you can actually make such declarations, but can you live by 
yesterday I had faith or tomorrow I will have faith. No. Faith is always in the present and believers are called to live by faith at each moment of time, therefore always now. That is why Hebrews 11 and verse one says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Notice that the, the verse starts with the word now, amen. So faith is not yesterday, as I just said, it's not tomorrow, it's now. And God, if you notice, is called, and he calls himself actually the I am, amen. He is the I am, the, actually the great I am. And he did, God is not called the great I, wa I was or the great I will be. And God is always here with us. For those who lived in the past, when they were there, he was there with them in their now. He is with us in our now moments and tomorrow he will continue to be with us. Amen. And so we see that faith, now faith is the substance. So faith has substance, it is real, it is a reality, amen. And the, the word of God calls us to live by faith and not by sight. And we are told, uh, instructed to do that several times in scripture. Amen. As a way of reminding us, because it's so easy to let go, to live in the past or to postpone, postpone things in the future. Amen. God wants us to know that it, faith, the, the, the confidence that we have in God, in his word, must always be vibrant in us. Hallelujah. We always have to be connected to God every minute of the day and our connector is faith, hallelujah. So uh, several times, as I said, it's mentioned in scripture that the just shall live by faith. Um, Romans chapter one and verse 17, second uh, Corinthians chapter five, verse seven. Uh, there are about three more other verses and there are about five references that tell us that. Galatians chapter three and verse 11. I'm trying to think of another one. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. Amen. For those of you who are taking notes, you can check these verses. Well, we are told over and over again that the just shall live by faith. Um, and so we see how important faith is to our life. Amen. And uh, we are actually... Uh, instructed in verse in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 that you know without faith that it is impossible to please God and so the first verse that we read there which is the apostle Paul speaking when he said in Galatians 2 verse 20 that the faith that he lives by he says I live by the faith of the son of God 
It's to let us know that we don't have to go and try to get faith on our own. God is the one who supplies faith. Hallelujah. It is the operation of the faith of God that we that, that is deposited inside of us. And all we have to do is respond and accept this faith. And so uh, God is real. He exists and he knows that the only way that we can connect with him is by faith. Hallelujah. Um, so there are many people who are, and I'm, I'm speaking about believers, who are so locked into their, the, the five senses, what they can see, what they can feel, that this, this faith that God is calling us to walk into uh, sometimes uh, is a problem for them uh, because they cannot see God in the natural. And, uh, but we must be assured that he is there 24 seven and he's always announcing and he's always displaying his power. And again, it is when we decide to receive his word, hallelujah. The Bible says that it is by faith that we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So if we try to figure things out in our natural mind, we'll never be able to because the natural mind cannot understand spiritual things. However, if we are willing to allow the spirit of God to come in and live in us, again, that is done by faith, then the Holy Spirit will enlighten us. Amen. And there are things that we don't understand in the natural that God will reveal to us through faith. Hallelujah. So um, whenever we come to a place where we start, start doubting uh, because for whatever reason, we, there is no tangible evidence. Let's say we pray, we don't see the manifestation yet or, you know, different things that the enemy of those things would orchestrate in our lives. We have to remember that it's never because there is a lack of display of God's power. It's, it's within us. The problem is within us. It's the, something that the Bible calls the carnal nature, the carnal man that exists within each person. Amen. And even when we are born again, the carnal nature is still there. That's why Jesus himself says that we have to crucify the flesh. Amen. The flesh is that carnal nature that he was speaking about. And therefore, uh, you see, no one is immune to having a flesh. And this is what causes us to sometimes doubt God's word. But the key is to know how to handle these attacks when they come. Uh, the, the, even the greatest men and women of God recorded in the Bible at times um, when you know, they had to, um, you know, they had, they, they, they had to deal with an issue, the issue of a lack of faith. Um, for example, um, Jesus said of John the Baptist that among men uh, that are, you know, born of women, among them that are born of women, he says, there has not risen any greater than John the Baptist. Amen. So these are Jesus's words himself in Matthew 11, 
in verse 11, which means that, you know, thinking about John, he was greater in, this, in Jesus's sight than, you know, all the other person that we know, the men in, uh, of, of God that we know of, um, th that whose account, for example, um, are always being uh, spoken of and referred to in the Bible, men such as uh, Abraham, such as Moses, such as uh, David, amen, uh, or any Old Testament character that we can name. Again, notice that Jesus says that there has not a reason, a greater one than John the Baptist, amen. But he continues on to say, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. But my point tonight is for us to see that there came a time when John doubted, amen, the most important thing of all by questioning whether Jesus was really the Christ. So he went through a phase where the flesh was trying to get the best of him. And let me explain a little bit about uh, John the Baptist, his story. Uh, John had been cast into prison for uh, criticizing Herod, who had married his brother's wife. And therefore, um, they had thrown him into prison, and he had been there for, we don't know exactly how long, some estimate between six months to even two years. And at one point, he became dis so discouraged that he asked two of his disciples to go to Jesus and ask him if he really was the Christ. Amen. So, uh, you know, thinking about John the Baptist again, and Jesus having made such a statement about him that no one that has been born of women has risen you know, greater than him. Uh, we also think that um, John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit while he was still in his mother's womb. Amen. This is, you know, an awesome statement that Indeed, this is this man's uh, life. This is his, his story. This is his background, that even before he came into this world, he was already filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus himself was baptized with the Holy Spirit uh, when, as, you know, when he was baptized uh, in water by John the Baptist. Amen. But here we see that this man, John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. So you see, he was a very special person. And um, we could see from his ministry that he was totally committed, amen, the lifestyle that he led uh, living in the desert um, you know, and, and preaching. And it was a ministry that didn't last long, but he spent his whole life um, preparing for that short ministry, which we know based on the word of God was to prepare the way of the Lord. And uh, so John had a very special calling, amen. 
And he was the one who actually saw. Uh, God showed him, uh, gave him a, a vision of um, Jesus, who would be, well, the Messiah, who would be coming to him. Hallelujah. And he would recognize him when he sees the spirit of God descending upon him. And so we see that at one point, uh, John recognized Jesus and he exclaimed in John chapter one, verse 29, behold the lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, hallelujah. And so he had recognized Jesus um, and he proceeded right you know, into the ministry he was called for and he was preaching to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So at that time, we see that John was absolutely certain that Jesus was the Christ, no doubt whatsoever. And um, actually, let's go ahead and um, read. Uh, I'm going to read from uh, John 1 and verse 34 that it's, it's something that he declared, John the Baptist, concerning Jesus. He says, I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Amen. And then if we jump to Luke chapter 3, we see in verse 16 of Luke chapter 3 that he made this other statement. He said, one mightier than I cometh the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. Amen. And then he goes on to say in verse 30 uh, of John chapter 3, he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. Amen. So these are statements that prove to us that um, that definitely John was certain that Jesus was the Christ, amen. Uh, that last verse there was Luke, I'm sorry, John chapter three and verse 30, amen. Now, we read now that after having been thrown in jail, that, that John starts doubting. And then, as we just read earlier, he sent messengers to Jesus to find out if he indeed was the son of God. Now, let's read uh, that account there from Luke chapter 7, verses 20. And I believe we are going to read to verse 23. Luke 7, 20 to 23. When the men came unto him, that is Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Are thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in, at that same hour, he, that is Jesus, cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then... Jesus answering said unto them, go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how the blind see, 
the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Hallelujah. You know, this says a number of, a number of things, but an important fact that we draw from this account is that there was a time when John fully trusted the Lord, uh, truly trusted Jesus for who he, knowing who he is. And then there came a time when he doubted. So our deduction here is that if this great man of God could come to a place where he has to struggle with unbelief, therefore, we wonder who is exempt? Who is exempt of doubt, really? But the most important thing here is the lesson that we learn from Jesus's response. Notice that Jesus does not give any verbal message to go and tell John. It says that after they spoke to him and asked him, should are you the one or should we wait for another? It says in the same hour, in other words, immediately, Jesus started performing miracles. He cured, I mean, he healed the sick, amen. He gave sight to the blind, to the blind. And then he says, go, go back to John and tell him the things that you have seen and, and heard and how the dead are raised and to the poor, the gospel is, is preached, how the deaf hear, how the lepers are cleansed. Amen. What we see here is a demonstration of Jesus's uh, power ministry. Amen. Um, but we need to understand that Jesus did have comments, in other words, verbal comments concerning John that he made after the disciples had left. So in other words, he didn't send a message to John, a verbal message, except to the disciples were going to report what they have seen him do. However, let's read to, from uh, Luke chapter seven, starting with verse 24. He says, and when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. What went he out in, into the wilderness for to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in suffering? Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's court. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy faith, which, which shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Amen. Now, we see Jesus's response, um, in other words, explanation to those who were with him 
uh, or around him. Amen. And um, the, you, we wonder why, why it is that Jesus did not just tell John's disciples the same thing that he told the other, you know, people that were there with him. Why did he have to wait until they left? Uh, because a message like, yes, I am the Messiah. I am the one that, you know, you waited for. I am, you know, the same Jesus whom you baptized, whom you saw the Holy Spirit come upon. He could have said all of this. And yes, you are on the right path, John. That would have greatly encouraged John. However, Jesus had something else in mind. He wanted to give proof from the scripture of who he was or who he is. And we see in Isaiah chapter 35 that there is a prophecy concerning Jesus about the, the coming Messiah, which the Jews should have known from their study of scripture. So in other words, what Jesus is doing is manifesting what this prophecy said about him. Let me go ahead and read from Isaiah chapter 35, verses five and six. It says, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as in heart and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. Amen. This is, again, as we can see, a manifestation when we look at Jesus' ministry of Isaiah chapter 35, verses 5 and 6. Amen. So when we look at the, the answer that Jesus gave these disciples and said, when he told them, go and tell John what you have seen, it's because Jesus knew that John knew the scriptures. And Jesus was just reminding him about the prophecy that he knew from the scripture and how that was fulfilled in him. Hallelujah. Now, how he perfectly fulfilled that prophecy. So he referred John back to the word. And that to Jesus is how we deal with doubt. That's how we deal with unbelief. We go back to the scripture. What does the word say? Amen. So when many of, I mean, some of us, or I'm pretty sure or each and every one of us have our struggles. Amen. There are times when uh, probably we wonder. Uh, some we wonder more than others. Unfortunately, we let the, the flesh get the best of us. But when we find, whenever we find ourselves in those moments where we struggle with unbelief, um, we have to be willing to admit that it's because we've allowed the flesh to take control. And consequently, when we are walking in the flesh, we 
are not interested in the things of the spirit because those two are opposite. They are contrary to each other. So when we get to that place where we are, you know, questioning uh, something that we may have even just like John believed uh, God for and trusted that this is what the word of God says, or, or even this is the, the word that I got from God. Amen. But the flesh will not allow us to go back to that point of reference, but rather it will want us crave something that is tangible, something emotional that we can feel. And so when we come, when we are struggling with this, with unbelief, we find ourselves uh, wanting uh, rather than to be in the word and allowing the word to work in us, we are there wishing that we had Jesus around us, putting his arm around our neck and consoling us. The, li the living, that, I shouldn't say the living Jesus because the word is indeed living. But we, we are thinking about the person that was there walking in the flesh. We would rather the flesh is telling you, wouldn't it be wonderful if that's what we had? And that would make us feel better. But you see, overcoming doubt and unbelief is not just about feeling better. It's about getting back into faith that only comes from the word of God. Hallelujah. Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And only the word can make things right. Why is that? Because God is in his word. Jesus is the word of God. He and his, God and his word are one. And it is through his word that he comes into our lives. And the whole of God's program for his people centers around the knowledge of his word and the ability to apply it. Amen. James 1.25 reminds us that we must be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving ourselves. Amen. So we not only, should not only know the word, but we should be about doing the word. Actually, if we really know the word, we cannot help but do it. Because it doesn't make sense to us when we really know the word, knowing that it is the doing that brings us into the blessing and for us to just remain passive and do nothing. Remaining passive means that we have not truly understood. Amen. Therefore, um, you know, the, the effects of the word are countless and we must always have that in, in our heart and in, in our mind. Hallelujah. That we must live by the word. Jesus says, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Hallelujah. Uh, just think, for example, what the word brings into our lives. Uh, the initial effect of the word is what brings us to salvation. Then we are continually nourished by the word. That is, if we remain in the word, if we abide in the word, we are nourished by the word, starting when we are first born again with the milk of the word. And as we continue to mature, 
we get into the solid food, amen, that causes us to grow. And um, the word gives us mental illumination. The word gives us guidance. It gives us divine protection. It gives us healing, hallelujah, for our bodies. And um, praise God, it also gives us victory over sin and Satan. So we cannot effectively live our Christian life uh, or fight any form of spiritual warfare if we are not first spiritually and mentally enlightened. Amen. Uh, our spirit is born again, but we need much illumination in the area of our mind. Praise God. Um, Psalm 119 and verse 130 says that the entrance of God's word gives light. Amen. It gives understanding to the simple. So we see that um, there are two effects here that the word um, brings to us, light and understanding. Amen. Um, we live in a world where um, education, uh, and I'm speaking about academic education, um, and anything that the world offers is more highly in general, it's more highly valued um, and sought after than things that are connected with God and his word, um, secular education. Uh, and the world has come to a place where uh, actually, they, they have replaced in their mind, actually, secular humanism. Um, well, you can't say secular. Humanism is humanism. It is just man-centered, amen, has replaced um, light uh, and understanding. Um, and because of that, we find that we are living in a society where, you know, um, things are not going well because a society that concentrates on secular education and gives no place to God's word is uh, forging its own uh, instruments for its own destruction. Amen. Uh, doesn't matter how intelligent somebody may be. Uh, you're looking at the best uh, scientists in the world and the you know, new developments that have come about through their research, but yet, you would think that they would understand that weapons of mass destruction are not exactly uh, something that we need, but no, they haven't figured that out yet. And so with all their brain power and intelligence, they yet need um, for their brains or their mind to be illuminated, amen. You see, uh, God's word, not only, um, just gives us knowledge, um, but it reveals, and I'm talking about knowledge about everyday things, uh, but it also um, reveals to us things that we could never be able to discover by our own intellect, uh, such as um, who God is, um, the true purpose of our existence, 
um, and God's nature, uh, everything that is that concerns um, God Himself is able to reveal that to us, and this revelation gives meaning to our life. Um, we find out God's divine plan for us, and um, we draw from that a sense of a personal uh, of self-worth, of personal fulfillment. We are satisfied, hallelujah. Things that the world cannot give us, secular uh, education cannot give us. The God and his word will fill us and cause us to truly be satisfied. Hallelujah. Uh, the word of God penetrates us in such a way that it can change our spirit, our soul, our body, and everything concerning our, our lives. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, Let's go ahead and turn to that passage. Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13 says that the word of God is quick. It's powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Amen. Now, this is a loaded verse, but what I want to, to, to focus on is that um, there is no area of a person's life Amen. That the word does not penetrate. Um, it reaches down into the spirit, the soul, that is the heart, into the mind. Amen. And even into the innermost core of our physical body. It goes into our joints, into our marrow. And God's word brings forth new life. It brings eternal life. Amen. Hallelujah. And as we continue to, as I mentioned earlier, continue in the word, then we receive spiritual nourishment. Amen. Not just for our spirit, but for our mind, our all parts of um, our soul, which is the mind, that is the intellect, uh, the will, the emotions. They are all touched by the word. They are all changed. They are all renewed by the word of God. Hallelujah. So the word of God is able to produce perfect health. And uh, when we receive the word in our mind, it produces mental illumination and understanding. Amen. Um, you see, the Bible tells us in John chapter 1 and verse 4, that in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so in him was life. Him speaks of Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. And so, um, you know, 
Psalm 18 speaks of the light going inside, inside our soul and lighting and our spirit and lighting, or in other words, enlightening us. Um, Psalm 18 and verse 28, this is David speaking. And he says, God will send his word and light my candle. Amen. So God will send his word. Notice that. And what is going to be the effect of the word when God sends it is going to light his candle, David says. Hallelujah. And so the candle is our human spirit. And when our uh, candle has been lighted, then it means that our human spirit has been illuminated by the light of the word of God. Praise God. So the, you know, the word of God guarantees us that the word that comes inside of us, if we are sincere and we receive it with a humble heart, that is going to effectually work in us who believes, who believe. Um, that is actually cited in First Thessalonians chapter 2, I believe in verse 13. The word of God effectually works in those who believe. And this is why uh, in um, First Peter, uh, chapter two, I'm not, I'm sorry, no, in second Peter chapter one, Peter is stating, uh, actually he's, he's speaking about uh, an account of what happened at the Mount of Transfiguration. I don't want to go ahead of myself. So um, let me go ahead and do this. Uh, let's go ahead and turn to that passage, amen. Second Peter chapter one, and let's read from uh, verse 16. Second Peter chapter one, verse 16 through 19. Peter says, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven and we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. And verse 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Amen. Now, what is Peter saying here? He's saying that he was there. He and Two other disciples were with him, with Jesus, at the Mount of Transfiguration. Amen. They were witnesses 
of Jesus being transfigured there. But then he says, he heard also the voice of God saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he, he says that this voice came from heaven that he heard. Amen. And so here it is a spectacular um, event where they actually witness Jesus being transfigured, where they hear the voice of the father, you know, um, speaking about his son and, you know, speaking about the love that he, have for, he has for his son. And he calls him, this is my beloved son. And he's saying just how pleased he is with him. Amen. But you see, Peter does not stop there. He says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Amen. In other words, we have witnessed this spectacular event, this glorious event. We heard the voice of God saying, this is my beloved son. Uh, we are well, I am well pleased in him. Hallelujah. And so Peter and the other disciples, um, they, they, they saw Jesus shining as the brightness, you know, like as the brightest of the sun. It's like the Shekinah glory of cloud of God overshadowing them. And they heard the audible voice speak. They also saw Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus. Now, you know, what could be more spectacular than this? What could be more impressive than this? But yet, he stops right there and adds in verse 19, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Hallelujah. The word is more sure than what? Than this impressive supernatural signs that they witness. The scriptures are more sure and more faith building and doubt destroying than seeing Jesus transfigured or hearing an audible voice from heaven. Hallelujah. This is exactly what Peter says, which takes us back to what Jesus had said concerning John the Baptist. He, he referred John the Baptist back to what he knew that was written in Isaiah chapter 35. And so what really matters is the word of God. Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds of the mouth of God. And the only sure way we have to overcome doubt is to place our faith in the word of God and depend on that more sure word of prophecy. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's all about taking God at his word. We must not follow our five senses and allow them to dominate our thinking. And God is calling us to a place where his word is more real to us than anything that we can, that we can see, that we can taste, we can smell, that we can feel. Amen. And our reference point should always be his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. 
You know, the Bible says that uh, Jesus was amazed when he saw the, the faith of the, um, the, the, the soldier there, the Roman centurion in Matthew 8, who said, you don't even need to come into my house to heal my servant. Just speak the word and he's, he will be healed. Amen. And the Bible says that Jesus marveled because he had not seen such grace, great faith in Israel. Hallelujah. The many saying, just speak your word. Don't even come. You don't even need to come and see. You don't have to come and lay hands. Don't do just speak your words. I'm taking you at your word that if you speak it, that it shall be done. Hallelujah. And we, we go ahead and contrast that with Thomas who says, if I don't personally see him and put the law, my, my hands in, he, on, in his side and put my fingers in his nail piece, pierced hands, I will not believe. So contrast the great faith of this Roman centurion with this little faith displayed by Thomas, where he would not believe that the Lord had risen because when, God, when the Lord showed up uh, in the presence of the disciples and Thomas wasn't there, therefore he didn't see him personally, but he heard the report that Jesus had come. He says, no, I will not believe until I personally see and touch. Amen. So Jesus shows up. Amen. And one day, and Thomas is there. And Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. But blessed are those who have not seen in the natural, but yet they believe. Praise God. And what is, is it that we are to believe? His word. We have not seen him in the natural, amen, but we have his word. And if we take him at his word, there is a greater anointing than believing signs and wonders. Amen. And so, you know, however great the signs and wonders are, um, you see, Jesus used them to draw people to himself. So I am not making little of that. However, the ultimate is this more sure word that Peter spoke of. Amen. There is a greater blessing on just taking God at his word, believing God's word, than believing because of supernatural circumstances. And unfortunately, if we rely on uh, the spiritual um, circumstances uh, to confirm our faith, to confirm um, wh what we want out of life, what we feel that God's promises are towards us, rather than relying on these promises, if we rely on our past experience or the great things that we have seen or heard, rather than just focusing on the word, then when the strong battles come against us, we might not be able to stand. Amen. You see, because only our faith, a faith that is rooted 
and grounded in God's word can withstand the storms of life. And the enemy will make sure that we each have our share of storms. Amen. And therefore, we have to learn to take God at his word. Amen. So we see the why um, Jesus did not try to make John the Baptist feel better by you know, sending a message of kind words to him, um, by sending an emotional touch. Uh, so we, we see that it was not because he didn't care. As a matter of fact, he cared a lot. Amen. He cared so much for John that he gave him his best. He gave him the word, his word, the word of God. And remember Jesus's, um, his own temptation back in um, Matthew chapter four and Luke chapter four, amen. Um, that's how Jesus dealt with the enemy. Every time Satan came and tempted him, his answer was always, it is written. His point of reference was always the word of God. Hallelujah. And it was the best way then. It is still the best way to deal with any kind of issue, with any kind of temptation. Amen. And, uh, you know, there, there may be a reason as to why we may be tempted or we may be uh, waiting on God, God's manifestation of the blessing that we've been waiting for. Amen. Um, and there may be a reason as to why God or the Lord has not used an emotional touch to deliver us from this time of uh, trial or, or even when you know, we feel as if we are beginning to waver because he wants to deal with us this, the way that it is, the word of God itself prescribes that the word of God must be our point of reference, that we should not allow ourselves to become discouraged or depressed or any dis, D-I-S, whatever, and add, add um, the rest, because this is exactly what the enemy wants to do in our life. Amen. You see, God, the same way he displayed his uh, love for uh, John the Baptist, he also wants us to know how much he loves us. And he's trying to help us to operate in the highest form of faith, which is faith that takes him at his word. And, you know, if the least of the saints, I don't know if you remember when Jesus said that the, the least of the saints is greater than John the Baptist, amen? So if the least of the saints is able to trust God 
and is able to function in the word of God, how much more we, hallelujah, that God is wanting us to operate or at least at the same level, amen. We are now indwelled by the spirit of God. We are living under a new and a better covenant, hallelujah. We have what John the Baptist didn't have. We have what any of the Old Testament saints didn't have. So we are called to at least operate on the same level of faith that we see displayed in the word. Again, God's instruction to, uh, to his people, the just shall live by faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. And if we ask God for something, uh, the question is that we have often is, well, why is it taking so long? Well, let's not question God about that. There is a timing. Amen. There is a duty time for everything. And the Bible says, do not be weary in well-doing, for in due time we shall reap if we faint not. Amen. It is conditional. We must learn to develop patience and wait upon the Lord. And when we wait upon the Lord, he will renew our strength so that we can continue to, to, to trust him confidently until the answer manifests, hallelujah, in the natural, because we already know that it is a done deal in the spirit realm, praise God. So um, assuming that nothing has happened when we pray or when we, you know, we, we, we cry out to God and we don't see anything yet and the flesh wants us to think that nothing has happened, well, that is wrong, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. We need to have more faith in God than we have in people or in, in, in the world system. We have to recognize that there is another realm of reality and beyond this physical world, amen, and not limit ourselves to our senses, our five senses. And again, let's not forget, our God is the great I am, not the great I was, not the great I will be. Amen. He is with us now through our faith in him. We are connected to him. Hallelujah. Our faith is developed. It is um, sustained through the word of God. It is actually, it, it issues from the word of God and it is maintained through the word of God. Hallelujah. And um, through the covenant that God made with his son, Jesus, those who have believed are part of this covenant and it is God's desire for us to fellowship with him. Amen. And therefore he will do everything if we show ourselves faithful to make sure that every promise is fulfilled in our lives. And for us to actually become more like Jesus. In other words, the, the fellowshipping implies that not only 
we become like Jesus, but we have what Jesus has. And what else, the, some of the things that we can quickly say that Jesus has, well, he's holy and totally righteous. And he is, um, whole, there is wholeness about him. There is power in him. Uh, he, is, he is full of love. Actually, he is love. Amen. So we can walk in these, uh, in that nature of, of God. And the Bible tells us that the kingdom of God is in righteousness, in peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. This is how God wants us to, to walk. This is what he's called us to, to fellowship with him. Amen. So it's, it is in his interest to make sure that everything is well with us. And that is why it is foolish when we start doubting and uh, we join in with the enemy to accuse God rather than take him at his word. So God's more sure word of prophecy tells us that God is faithful. Amen. That we are called into this fellowship of his son, Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Uh, this is actually stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9. And so, again, this fellowship speaks about sharing with Jesus, partaking of his life, partaking of his glory, of the abundant life that Jesus said that he came to bring. Amen. And so, this life here that Jesus says, I have come to give him life and life in abundance, is a present reality. Even now, though, you know, you may have prayed and not seen it, as I said, with the physical eyes, this manifestation, but yet there is such inward peace because the word of God bears witness with our spirit that God has done it, amen. And so we can go ahead and walk in righteousness, in peace and joy, though we haven't seen yet the material manifestation. We know that it is okay, that God is in control, that God has our back, hallelujah, so that we have inherited the very life of God, the, the Zoe, abundant life of God. And that is good news, praise God. When we were born again, we were born again of God himself. So everything about us is good. And God wants to be glorified in our lives. Amen. He sees himself in us when we are blessed. This is what we have to keep in mind. God sees himself in us when we are blessed. Not when we are poor, not when we are sick, not when we are confused, not when, you know, everything, there's chaos about our life. No, when things are, you know, when things are well, God sees himself in us because this is how he is. This is who he is. It's pleasing to him. We are covenant partners with him. And faith has been given to us to operate, to first of all, to walk in that faith, which causes us to operate like him. And therefore, we must always understand the, the way that light works that light comes into the darkness of our lives and separates us out of the darkness. Praise God. And 
that this light is always stronger than the darkness, that the word of God, which is truth, is always stronger than the lies of the enemy. Hallelujah. And life will always overcome death. Praise God. Jesus, who is life, always overcomes death. He says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Amen. So praise God. Praise God. We must rejoice today that we indeed have a more sure word of prophecy and that the faith we have is the very faith of God that he has deposited in us. And when you join those two together, the faith that he put inside of us and the word that we choose to put inside of us, when there is a marriage of those two, the faith and his word, hallelujah, we can truly exclaim, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. Hallelujah. And therefore, we are able to command mountains out of our lives. Why? Because they are of the realm of darkness and have no part in us because we are light, because light always overcomes the darkness. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I'm going to close by reading 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 1. It is Simon Peter who's writing. He says, um, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them who have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So let's keep in mind that the word of God tells us here that we have received like precious faith. The same faith as God's faith. The same faith that Peter received. The same faith that Paul received. Hallelujah. Same faith. And therefore, we should take hold of that faith. Hallelujah. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. Amen. And so we have received that faith and we should take authority over everything that is not of God and see it live our lives. Amen. Because why God has called us to reflect his own life. Amen. So that we can be effective witnesses of Jesus's abundant life. His abundant life must be seen in us by the world. And this is what the world is waiting for. Amen. When the world sees the sons and daughters of God walking in peace, walking in joy, walking in righteousness, walking in healing, praise God, walking in prosperity, walking in wholeness, walking in love, hallelujah, in power, then we will be witnesses of the majesty of God operating through his people. They will know that indeed there is a God in heaven who lives and dwells and operates in the lives of his people. Praise God. All of these things are ours because not only we have the spirit of God dwelling in us, but we have his more sure word of prophecy 
which God wants us to join ourselves to. Let it become one with us. Hallelujah. And allow God to work his, his word in us by us taking hold of that word and displaying that indeed we can be overcomers in all things to his glory and to our rejoicing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let us close in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Father, we thank you for your glorious presence. Oh, God, that is always with us. Your word says that you will never leave us, nor forsake us, that we may boldly say, if God you for us, who can be against us? Father, we thank you that indeed the operation of your spirit of faith in us enables us to rise up above every challenge, oh God, every attack of the enemy against every storm and to accomplish everything that you have called us to, things that pertain to not only our personal life, but to the advancement of your kingdom. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this ability that you have deposited in us to walk in that faith that is yours that you have given us. Ability to walk in righteousness, in holiness, and in the giftings that are resident inside of us to impact this world. Lord, we receive. We receive you. We receive your more sure word of prophecy, O oh Lord, from which flows supernatural grace to reign in this life. So, Father, we praise you. We thank you for all that you have done, all that you continue to do, O oh God, to glorify your name in us and through us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Now unto him that is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you for joining us tonight and invite you to come again next Wednesday at the same time. Have a good night. And again, God bless you.